Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Russell Clark, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebearers, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it is good news, and it is for you. Give thanks for Jesse and Jackson sharing their ministry with us every week. For our elders and our deacons and everyone that brings gifts to the Lord, just like the wise men bringing gifts to the baby Jesus. Amen. The Gospel of Mark is considered to be the oldest gospel of the four gospels, while Matthew focuses on the genealogy of Jesus, and Matthew and Luke both share the story of the birth of Jesus, and John uses metaphors to describe Jesus' arrival on the earth. Mark begins with the appearance of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is considered to be a little nuts because he's half-naked, eating bugs and wild honey, but this is how the Gospel of Mark introduces us to Jesus. No birth of Jesus, no shepherds and wise men, or the story of the Virgin Mary. This story starts long after Christmas when Jesus is to be baptized. John the Baptist says, Someone more powerful than me is coming to us. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So let's fast forward. After Jesus' ministry and miracles and parables and prophecies, after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and Jesus' ascension to heaven, the disciples of Jesus have just received the great commission from Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what the crazy, half-naked, bug-eating cousin of Jesus said he would do, baptize with the Holy Spirit, is what Jesus calls his disciples to do. The disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, heard him give the great commission, and saw him ascend up to heaven. And now they're in this upper room trying to figure out where to go from here. The disciples, like us, know what to do, but not how they should do it. What are they supposed to do now? You know, why, what do you think the disciples felt? Some confusion, some fear, some excitement of the calling that they have received on their lives. Acts 4.31 says, All the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking God's message with the courageous confidence. The disciples themselves were filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to fill others with this same Spirit. This presence of God, this Spirit in our hearts, fills us with passion and boldness and confidence to guide us what to do next. This has always been our purpose. I can remember back to my senior year in high school how I wanted to do the testimony on you Sunday, so I signed up. I believed that I could say something worthwhile and that I could say it in a way that would mean something to my congregation and my friends. I don't remember how, but God just gave me the words to say. I wrote out my message because I wanted to be sure that I was saying it in the right way, and this was over 20 years ago now. And this was the first time that I had ever given a sermon in my entire life. I talked about my friend OJ, who had committed suicide. I talked about how much that had brought our youth group together. 
We had to rely on each other for strength because that situation was harder than anything we had ever experienced. And I was thankful for how close our youth group was after that, but I asked the question, why does it take someone losing their life for us to realize how much we need each other? I talked about how we had 46 confirmation students in sixth grade, and now by my senior year, there were six of the 46 kids that were still active in our church. I talked about how my parents used to make me come to church, and not just make me, they would have to drag me to church, fight me all the way there, and I would whine and complain about how I just didn't want to go, but when I got there, I always had fun. I talked about how now in my senior year, my youth group means so much to me, and I wouldn't dream of being anywhere else. I came to church even when my parents didn't. I became, I found God through my friends in my youth group, and I remember going to a youth minister training camp, and I remember every person there saying they wanted to become a youth minister because their youth group was horrible, or their youth minister was horrible. And I was the only one who said, well, the reason I want to be a youth minister is because my youth group meant so much to me, and my youth minister helped me out so much that I want everyone to have that same experience that I had. I want everyone to experience the love that I experienced. I remember being in seventh grade and wanting to be like all the senior high kids in my youth group. I remember going to a place called Burgers Lake, much of y'all know, um, is in Fort Worth with all of them, and I remember how the senior high kids actually talked to me and how much that meant to me. I remember not feeling worth much of anything because I got made fun of a lot, but when I came to church, I was cool, I was accepted, I was loved. I remember being in ninth grade and almost giving up on going to church. I wasn't sure that I connected with anybody at church anymore, and I had almost lost the point for why the youth group in the church in general was a big deal. But then I went on my first mission trip. I felt connected with my friends at church more than ever. I had more fun than I think I had ever had before. My eyes were open to be grateful for what I had when I saw the conditions that these people were living in and how they had more joy in their hearts than we did because their lives weren't owned by their possessions. And after my first trip, I came to youth group every Sunday and Wednesday. I could have had the worst week ever, but then when I came to youth, my whole world felt complete again. I had a special bond with four people, Aaron, David, Stephanie, and Robin, and the five of us together were inseparable. When we were in senior high, we would stay after youth talking and laughing for what seemed like hours, and we were always focused on growing with God, enjoying each other's presence, and helping each other out. And of course, I couldn't have explained all this to you as clearly back then. All I probably would have told you back then was we had something special. My friends at church were my true friends. I knew they were my true friends because whenever we fought over something, we always apologized to each other. Whenever anyone was in a bad mood, we were always there to talk to each other, to cry together, and to stand up and move on together. We watched our crazy youth minister and our youth sponsors act like bigger kids than we ever did. They were pulling pranks and making stupid jokes and acting silly like the rest of us. They showed us Christ by first of all letting loose and acting like one of God's children and by caring for us and trying to guide us to the path that we've always been called to be on. You see, I can look back on my life now and see how everything had a purpose. Everything that happened shaped me into who I am today. The love that I share with y'all is only because of the love that was first shared with me when I was a teenager. 
I found out who I am and who I'm called to be and who I'm supposed to be through the adults and the youth who were truly God's presence for me. They were God's presence for me. You know, I never really felt like I heard the voice of God talking to me whenever I was younger, but I could always hear God talking to me through my friends. I learned to always share things with my friends because my friends would pray for me, help me out, and get me to focus on who God wants me to be. I found my calling to be a minister through my youth minister and my youth group and my church family. And whenever I gave that testimony on Youth Sunday, one of the moms came up to the pastor and said, you need to get this kid started in ministry. And then when I kept giving devotionals on a ski trip and mission trip, every time I received a huge reaction from people from the youth and adults telling me how much they were affected by what I said. And I started to question what I was called to do, and I realized I had been given a gift to talk to people that I needed to share. But you see, my calling happened before I ever started to question my calling, before I had ever even considered what I want to be with my life. My calling to be something completely wild happened when these wild people decided to share this wild and crazy love with me, not just by their words, but by their actions. I am who I am today because I found true friends in the body of Christ who helped me to believe that I am who I am and showed me the love of God. There was once a singer years ago named Marilyn Manson. Manson called himself the Antichrist, trying to get a rise out of Christians and project this scary image, but there was something deeper than his fear-inducing anger. If you listen to his songs, he's very, very hurt. He's in pain. Let me tell you why he's in pain. I know that when he was attending his youth group at his church, and this is a true story, his youth group was not very accepting or loving, and he was seen as an outcast in the one place where there are no outcasts. Why do you think he calls himself the Antichrist? Because the people who were supposed to be God's presence for him were instead the opposite. Why would he want to give God the time of day if God's people did exactly the opposite? At Burgers Lake, when the senior high students made me feel special and began this process of molding my life into something awesome, there was another boy in the seventh grade. I watched him get made fun of by the same people that made me feel cool. I remember watching him get mocked and wishing that my puny seventh grade loser self would have said something or done something, but what could I have done when I was struggling to be accepted and loved myself? This boy left the church. His family still showed up, but he refused to come with them. And when he did come to church, he stayed in a corner, talked to nobody, and was often so excluded that he was practically invisible to the rest of us. Today, he has a beautiful son and wife and family, and from what I can see, a beautiful life. And who knows where God has taken him and led him, but I know how his teenage years would have been much different if the senior high boys didn't make him feel like a worthless seventh grader. And when I thought my career was over as a minister 10 years ago, my memories of feeling loved and accepted, which once brought me joy, were suddenly filled with pain. I questioned if this love that I had experienced all my life was ever real. I felt more like the other boy being rejected and mocked. I knew now what it was like to be him. I wasn't the prodigal son welcomed home to the party. I was a kid being unwillingly dunked in the lake by my peers. 
and I found myself questioning everything. Like Marilyn Manson, I felt that deep hurt and pain that makes one want to sing and scream with anger of how much the church robbed us of love. It's true that we have a free will to choose whether to follow God or not, but we can sure help or hinder someone from finding out who they are in Jesus Christ. My friend Tom said, Russell, you always preached about being a minister for the outcasts and losers and helping them see they're made to be awesome, and now you know what it feels like to be them. You know what it feels like to have the church do the opposite of what they're supposed to do. And Jesus says in Luke 9, 24, those who try to save their lives will lose it, but those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. I am so thankful that I lost my life because you know why? It led me to care for my young girls at their young age. And it eventually led me to you. It brought me home to be the pastor at Easel Christian Church. I lost my life to find it in God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the people at Easel Christian Church. In you. If there is any one message that I think God wants all of us here, including adults, youth, and children, to hear it is this. You are worth it. You are worth it to God, to God's people. You are worth it. There is no greater thing that I can ever say to any one of y'all, let me tell you, God made you to be awesome. And I'm not talking about awesome, like cute little nerdy awesome. I'm talking about how God made you to be awesome. Say that with me. Awesome. God made you to be awesome. God made everyone to be awesome. Your family and friends might not accept you and love you for who you are, but you are worth it. God thinks of you and smiles. God rejoices at the thought of you. I know it. God made you to be awesome. It's this raw, real, gritty, honest, passionate confidence that the Holy Spirit is with you, has never left you, and you are made to be awesome. Everything we do, from taking care of our families to going to school and work and hanging out with our friends, from changing the way we think about ourselves and loving people right where they are, from starting this revolution of God's love here in this church and our everyday lives, from the children to the youth to the adults, everything is centered around the love that God has for you and the love we have for each other. Love is this only reality, and this love lasts forever, and this love is awesome. The church is a people whose hearts are focused on two things, love God, love people. And this love, it puts us in check because we realize we can't live up to this unconditional love. We've fallen short of loving people where they are. We haven't helped the church be what it's supposed to be all the time. We're this little, no, we're a lot of messed up people, and that's why we all need grace. Grace is such an important word. Grace is this love from God that is undeserved and unmerited. It's without condition. It is this love that loves our messed up, rotten, dirty, disgusting selves and says, I love you simply because you are God's child. God says, I will always love you because you are my child. We can't earn God's love. That's why it's called grace. 
There is nothing we can do to be worthy of this love. God loves us while we're still sinners. God loves us right where we are. And this is why we love other people right where they are. Love people right where they are. That's one of the most important lessons we can ever learn. Love people right where they are. Love. This love, this word love, it wouldn't mean anything to me if I didn't see the love of Christ growing up. Before I was able to grasp how I should think about God, how I should come and know and understand what the gospel, this good news was all about, was because of the people in my life showing me that I can't live without him. Before I could even understand all of this, I saw the love of Christ. I found who I was supposed to be by the love that the people like you have shown to me. I found the confidence to be somebody because of God's presence working through people like you. You know, we say, I'm young. Who am I? I don't have any money. I don't have a car. I'm not that smart. I'm a nerd. I'm a loser. You, you are God's child. God made you to be awesome. We say, I'm old. Who am I? I can barely walk without tripping over midair. I'm sick all the time. I don't have the energy like these young whippersnappers. You, you are God's child. God has a purpose for you today. God made you to be awesome. We say, I'm a person of color. You know, I was at Ebenezer Baptist Church in 2011 in Atlanta, Georgia. You could just feel the power of standing in Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. This was the place that history was made. This was the place where a revolution was born. You know, I was standing in this old church, much like this one, looking at the pictures of Dr. King preaching and looking out at the congregation in that picture. And I stood in the sanctuary and I looked at Dr. King's pulpit. And I was thinking, this church doesn't look much different than the one I preach in. This church had about as many people as there are here today. And these people made history. Those people started a revolution. Those people were inspired by the confidence of the Holy Spirit to be awesome. We say, I'm a person of color. I'm a person of injustice and persecution. I'm gay. I'm a woman. I'm nothing to my society. You, you are God's child. God made you to be awesome. The first disciples left jail with a smile on their face because they never forgot who they were and what they were called to do and that nothing could separate them from this love and this purpose and being filled with this Holy Spirit confidence. No matter what color you are, no matter what clothes you wear, no matter how intelligent or unintelligent you are, no matter your sexual preference, no matter your gender, no matter your political preference, no matter if you're single, married, divorced, or remarried, no matter what your appearance is, no matter what you, how you smell, no matter what your Facebook or TikTok or Instagram page looks like, no matter how you talk or don't talk, no matter how good or cool you are, no matter how young or old you are, no matter how tall or short you are, no matter if you're the half-naked, bug-eating, crazy cousin of Jesus, may you shatter your insecurities and these injustices around you and within you to have the courageous confidence in the Holy Spirit that God made you to be awesome. We are called to be wild and crazy kids for God. We are called to be awesome. Awesome beyond our wildest and craziest dreams. Awesome in a way that's different than anything we've ever experienced before. Awesome where we know we have the confidence to talk to a complete stranger and know that Jesus is present as we seek to love and care for someone new. 
awesome. We're not, we know that if we have lost our lives, it only leads us to find a new life where we are healed and transformed. Awesome, where you can be more than you think you can be because that is who you already are in Christ Jesus. Awesome, where we know we can act crazy and be ourselves and the people in this church will still love us. Awesome, where we know God is I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am holds us in his hands. I am is big enough. God is the one who will take care of us and will make us Awesome. Awesome where we can raise the expectations for ourselves because we are God's child and God made us to be awesome. Awesome where we can start a revolution of God's power and might and strength and confidence and God's humility and peace and grace and unconditional love. Awesome where we can restore our lives, our families, our church, and the culture around us to be what God intends us to be, which is awesome. Awesome, where you are baptized by the Holy Spirit to have this courageous confidence to be your true self, who God made us to be. Awesome, where you can be your true self, your gay self, your colorful self, your broken self, your messed up self, your woman self, your child self, your seasoned adult self, your transgender self, your political self, your angry self, and this church. This church will love you for who you are, every bit of you, for you are worth it. We can be awesome, awesome because God is awesome. And we don't have to be afraid of anything because we can become everything we are and more. There is nothing God wants more for you than to be who we truly are. God made you to be awesome. So be that way. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.